Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 85 of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, the podcast that brings you backstage as close as you possibly can be, often while the shows are actually happening, to meet the people that make theater happen. You can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other fine podcast streaming services, so go back through the library and fill those boots. And if you have a spare 30 seconds, please rate and review the podcast to help us be more discoverable to listeners who haven't heard about us. And now for this week's podcast. I went to go see a show, as they say in the business, and that show was Building the Wall at the Park Theater. Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Robert Schenken's hard-hitting play, uh, Imagine a World Where... After a terrorist attack set in the very near future, President Trump imposes martial law with all immigrants, legal or otherwise, uh, and rounds them up and puts them into internment camps. The play, directed by Jez Bond, starts the morning after the days before. The audience observing two characters on stage in a hermetically sealed glass box, representing an interview room. Now, it's not even representing, it's, it's there on stage for you. Uh, the fantastic Angela Griffin you know, from the telly box, uh, plays Gloria. She's a historian and college professor trying to get to the bottom of uh, this horrific crime, the crime of the century, uh, with details drip-fed to the audience over a brutal 80 minutes. Um, uh, It's a crime that's perpetrated by Rick, a middle-aged, bitter and angry prisoner who believes, well, he's the bullhorn heroic voice of the unheard masses that voted for Trump. And it was played subtly and brilliantly by Trevor White. This play is exactly the kind of play that I love to watch. Uh, Vital, current, engaging, uh, one that definitely needed to be written and put on. I got to speak to Angela and Trevor about their thoughts on the play at the Park Theater, performing in front of major theater stars, the immediacy of uh, this new piece, and what keeps them both coming back to the theater and getting on stage. Have a listen. Trevor White. It's Trevor White. I'm yeah, Trevor White. I can yeah, possess that, good. I think. Yeah, you own it. If you're going <laughs> to yeah, say it, own it. Yeah. Yeah. 47 years, good. Probably shouldn't <laughs> let that out either. It's too late now. Anyway, uh, I play Rick in uh, Building the Wall, uh, played by Robert Schenken with... Angela Griffin, who is playing Gloria White um, in the play Building the Wall at the Park Theatre. Nice. 
Now, so I'm going to preface, we said this before I recorded, but I haven't seen this yet. Mm. Normally what I do is I see a play and then we come back and discuss it afterwards. So I'm absolutely coming to this knowing nothing. Let's just get out and, and talk. What, what is what is the the, the the play about? What is the general conceit and like the setting and... Um, you know, just the base of this play, you know, in a, in a nutshell. You don't have to give me an elevator pitch. Go in as much detail as you want. <laughs> you know, but, you know t- tell me about the play. Well, we're actually sitting in the theater right now, which, yeah. of course, our listeners wouldn't have known. But we are in the theater now, the Park 200, which is an amazing space. And one of the crazy things about it, um, I've never played this space before until now. I've seen shows here before. Uh, it's a bit like the Donmar in that it's a mm. thrust space and it's really intimate. We've actually got a massive glass box on stage in front of us. Um, which is an interview room in a prison, which is where the entire play takes place between uh, Gloria and Rick. Um, the character Angela plays and myself. It's just the two of us. Uh, which just the two of us. That's my amazing. I'll do the I'll do the soundtrack. <laughs> so, in fact, both of us, as I can see, are still wearing our mics from this afternoon's matinee because it's a bit of a faff bringing them, getting the mics in and out. So of course. Um, you, we can't, that's like a hermetically sealed box. Pretty, pretty much. Okay. Um, so the, the, there actually is, I don't know if you saw Yerma. Yerma was a brilliant show, also it's in a kind Yerma. of glass encased, you know. And that followed, set. the father was very much, I don't know if you saw the, the father, father yeah. at, at the Young Vic was also really cool. in a box. And this, it's very much justified by the fact that Gloria, her character, mm. Angela's character, is actually recording the session for, well, not just posterity, for professional reasons as a historian, because she's interviewing Rick, a prisoner in the near future in America, about the crime of the century, as we're calling it. Now, we can't tell you too much about that, yeah. because anyone oh. want to come and see the show, but I'll yeah. hand it over to Angela it's to continue. The, the crime of the century um, occurred not, so, not long after um, Trump uh, won the presidency. Mm. Um, he issued a few executive orders, and because of these actions, there was a reaction, which involved Rick. Um, It's really hard. We can't say anything about it, but I think the most important thing is that Rick is not um, your average run-of-the-mill criminal. Mm. He's not the kind of person who you necessarily would expect to see in the orange garb that that he's adorned in during this um, play. Um, he's an ordinary guy um, from a relatively ordinary background um, who has done something that's quite extraordinary. Okay. And this play uh, d- deals with how how that occurs, how does that happen, how does the ordinary turn into the extraordinary, what are the, the points, what, where are the, um, the changes. And Gloria is, is very interested in understanding Rick. That's what she's there for. She just needs to understand why he did what he did yeah and the audience are taken on a quite a thrilling ride because it takes the full 80 minutes to 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 uh, discover down to what the last word amazing. i think it's fair yeah. to say uh, it, it's a sort of drip feed of a horror that's revealed over the course of the evening uh, and lots of twists and turns within that but um exactly as angela said it is um about trying to understand and, and I think it really resonates well it's been done all over the world in fact Robert Schenken the playwright who's Pulitzer Prize winning playwright was here the week before last talking about the show it's been mm. done in Iran and Austria and, and all over the states um, it's about to be done in Manchester it's, it's a show that really resonates I think particularly with the rise of right wing fascists mm. you can call it what you will governments uh, in so many places around the world 
where there is a very slippery slope. And I think, in fact, interestingly, Robert Schenken, the playwright, wrote it before Trump was even elected. No one, of course, thought he would be. Yeah. Uh, you probably cast a ballot from abroad. I, I did. You, you, you did your best. I sure did. <laughs> but, I got called up for jury service very soon afterwards. That's did you? interesting. I in do, America? It, yeah, sometimes it happens. Oh, yeah, wow. Tell them you're, uh, tell them you're away. So yeah, it, it's it's. Um, I mean, we don't have to look much farther than the Windrush scandal here, and yeah. how um, UKIP and the rise of uh, you know Brexit and all this kind of thing has uh, shifted the dynamic in this country massively within the last couple three years. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Trump in America, far right right wing governments in Austria and Hungary and abroad. Yeah, and uh, nearly France, you know, and nearly and, France. So yeah. I mean, can I jump in and say, you know, what? I know it's, it's to, to say how lucky we are. I mean, but with the, it's because we're not lucky. I, I don't think I'm going to put policy on. I don't think we're in a lucky position at all. Like I think it's we're it's the most divisive time I can ever remember. Mm. But but the fact that people are aware of what's happening now mm. means that they bring to the play when they're sitting in the audience a bit of knowledge, a bit of already how they might mm. feel about something. So they, it's a smart audience. I mean, you have to live under a rock to not to, to kind of have, from what I can tell from what you describe the play as, um, you know, like you just said, I, I didn't believe for a moment that Trump would get in. And I, and but that's the, and, kind of the point. I think yeah. that's kind of the point of it, is of it? The you play, know, yeah. the, everyone's kind of sat around thinking, oh, do you know, black, black um, uh, president, mm. no lots of liberal thinking, we're all all right, we, we can all sit on our laurels, and, you know, because the right thing is always going to get done. And I think worldwide there's been a massive shock mm. that actually there's a lot of people who feel... Um, sidelined, who who Left aren't behind, yeah. mm. who aren't in 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 our position, yeah. and and they they spoke with their votes, and it's very easy to dismiss those people and of go, course. they're stupid, they're right wing, they're uneducated, they're this, they're that. This play deals with the fact that those people alone could not cause Brexit. They couldn't um, they couldn't put um, mm. uh, Trump into the White House. There's a lot of people who who we underestimated mm. and. It's my favourite thing about this play is that I find myself sympathising with what should be an unsympathetic um, person. Sure. I love the fact that it's a two-hander, not knowing anything about it, because you have to, as an audience member, you have to kind of go, okay, who am I with? Very quickly. Take a side, yeah. yeah. Take a side. You have to. Like, who are you with? And... uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, well, it's really yeah. well written because it's, it's, it's so balanced. It's, you know, you're not going to come here, in here and have your liberal left-wing um, uh, ego stroked. Yeah. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff in there where you do, where you do kind of go, oh, oh, actually, oh, no, I understand. Mm. Oh, no, I understand that. What would I have done in that position? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's cle- he's really cleverly. I mean, Robert, uh, the writer, is very much a you know liberal thinking individual. I, mm-hmm. I think he would um, in in life side much more with Gloria's character. But what he's cleverly not done is created a, a monster on one side and someone yeah. who is just sort of a, a kind, understanding person mm-hmm. on the other, going, "Oh boy, so this this that and the other thing happened," and and just sort of flogging a dead horse. This is someone who is a human being who ha- was in a very very difficult uh, situation and was absolutely complicit in some horrific uh, things that mm. happened and decisions that were made and could have should have no doubt walked away but it's a lot it's a lot more uncomfortable than i think both that character of rick and the audience would like and i think uh 
there was even it was extraordinary I was just saying to Angela early today there was a guy there was a gala night the other night um, a young guy came over and said I, I really enjoyed the show enjoy maybe not the right word but yeah. uh, uh, I'm Jewish and uh, I said for the first time ever in my life you know uh, could I have possibly understood uh, how the Nazis did what they did and that was a bit of a wow. uh, like whoa that was a quite a strong thing to hear uh, and, and really an interesting and unexpected thing to hear mm. from someone who clearly wasn't alive when that was going on but um, is a, that's a massive part of his uh, religious heritage and, and who he is uh, how he identifies as a person mm. and uh, to be able to kind of, I wouldn't say forgive, but to at least understand the possibility of how normal people could be involved in terrible things um, was quite powerful, and I think this play really captures that. And it, it's meant to shock and unsettle. It's meant to really provoke. And, right. um, Nobody it, leaves this auditorium and goes, oh, right, that was good, so what are we going to go and do for our team? <laughs> there is yeah. a dialogue that, that I mean, it yeah. happens, we, we can see it as we, as we look out. There is a dialogue that immediately happens the second you know the lights have gone down mm -hmm. um it makes you think it makes you question and for me personally that's that's why i want to go to the theater yeah i want to come out thinking yeah we'll and feel as well yeah. i think yeah. that's another thing I think we'll, gotta... I, I, yeah we'll, we'll definitely get to why we do theater like what brings us back i, I quickly like to visit did, now did robert change the play at all because if he started writing it before you know trump had taken office was there any I mean, it, it, it's obviously been in other places. Was, was there any change for the UK? Um, he made minor um, changes yeah. for our... I mean, I, 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 there was a couple little things I thought yeah. we could do to make it a little harder for them, the two characters, to find uh, an agreement, if you will, mm -hmm. to c come to an agreement at the beginning of the play. Um, and, and a little joke. It's just like small things I thought might be worth Trevor White doing a joke. There are there is incredibly a fair bit of humor at the beginning anyway. It doesn't, certainly doesn't end that way. But um, and I'm, my understanding is he did make some changes uh, as things in real life progressed, obviously. Yeah. But um, kind of incredible that he wrote this apparently in about a week and a half or something. Four days. In a kind of oh yeah, my lord, like a, yeah. just a flurry mm -hmm. of like I've got to. I, this is how this is my thing. I write plays. Yeah. I write screenplays. Uh, this is my way to respond to this. I need to respond to this. Right. Art has a responsibility to respond and he did that and it's been done in all, all the major cities in America it's continuing to be produced I think it's been produced dozens of times yeah. around the world so right. it's kind of amazing yeah. um, because it's it's now but the themes in it are, you know are clearly because of the, some of the things it harkens back to are universal and eternal sadly mm -hmm. a lot of the um, atrocities and things that, uh, that are described and things that, that uh, are revealed in the course of the play have happened before and probably sadly horrifically will happen yeah. again and that's <clears throat> what it is it's a warning it's a cautionary tale of uh, how decent people not only can be involved but allow things to be mm. to happen from the outside plausible deniability is an amazing yeah. thing yeah yeah um, so let's technically there, you know there's a box on stage <laughs> and you guys are physically withheld from exploring too much yeah. So, in the rehearsal process, I know, you know, blocking is important and everything else, but did the limited amount of space to explore mean that you had the opportunity to get deeper into the characters or you, you, you I mean, or was it really tricky because you had such limited space to kind of go, how do we keep this moving? I know it's only, mm. I'd say only 80 minutes. That is a, a, a long enough. time to keep people's... <laughs> You know, yeah. especially when you are confined. But and you know, really how, how was that process? I mean, finding the the limited movement, but then 
making sure that the characters came out of that mm. sealed glass I, box. I, I've never had such a challenging technical transition, I suppose, from because we didn't have we weren't rehearsing in a box as such. Right. We were just in a room with a with lines you know taped to the floor. So going into glass, which uh, firstly cuts you off, you know, you can't hear the audience. I mean, it's like being underwater. You can hear like a murmur, but that's it. Seeing your own reflection in multiple directions, and I'm wearing an orange jumpsuit. That does not help. Uh, the echo in there is like because it's, yeah, it's the very echo, spare. The sound, the sound it for me was the most difficult thing yeah, I've got to and, say. And we we found out pretty early on to just strip that back mm-hmm. a little. There's obviously moments where it isn't, but to re- you can really be almost filmic in there. You can mm-hmm. really pull it. And there's moments where we're almost whispering to where we yeah. are whispering to each other, and that's fine because the audience can hear every. Time. You know, we're mic'd mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. cleverly in a way that you can hear every syllable. So it, it's and every it, breath. Every breath. It's so really, good. that was a really challenging transition for me personally. I'm sure you found similar challenges yourself. And it's also weird being cut off from the audience because that's part of what theater is. Mm. But from the outside, all the feedback has been uh, that what's really unique and interesting is that people really lean in, physically actually, yeah. I think, lean in like, and everyone's even more quiet and respectful mm. of the space because they realize if there's a bit too much murmuring out here, you won't really follow in the same way inside. So it's like everyone's eavesdropping in on this very private occasion, which is uh, deeply uncomfortable and, um, and it feels quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for, voyeuristic almost. Yeah. There is, in fact, as you can see, a, a sort of a one-way mirror at the back yeah. of the set. Someone, as I think you were saying, that people feel on the outside like they are actually watching this yeah. experience yeah. through this one-way mirror. What's amazing is that they get, they get like the reflections are, are quite um, distracting for us. But for the audience, they're brilliant yeah. because we can go all the way up to the back and they can see us. They can see we, there the is bounce. nowhere yeah. for us to hide, yeah. which is great. But I worked out that so I, I never see me in the reflection. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not in orange, so I, I never get distracted <laughs> by me. But what I've got to really focus on is not looking at you in your reflection. Camera two. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Because sometimes you'll do something, and I, all I have to do is do that, and I can see the mm. front of your face, and it's like, oh no, mustn't, m- mm. must feel like How these are blank walls. That's what, that's where my distraction yeah, comes right. from of having to not not look the like mirror there. that isn't there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found the sound. I found the sound difficult coming in. We actually did um, just before we came into tech. Um, our very lovely director Jez Bond um, gave us a little immersive rehearsal day um, which was amazing so we had spent all this time in a rehearsal room with a tape on the floor um, and you know of course you're using your imagination mm. to what would it be like when we're enclosed and we can't get out um, and one day uh, at the end of rehearsal Jez gave me and Trevor a letter and said see you at work tomorrow and we both went home, opened our letter, and we had a different set of instructions on uh, on our letters. And we, it was to, we were both told to, well, I was told to go to a different address that wasn't our rehearsal room. Right. Trevor was told that I was someone was going to come basically in. Basically kidnapped from my house by uh, quote-unquote government you nice. know, people, federal yeah. agents, whatever. They kindly allowed me to go to the bathroom because I was just about to do that when yeah. the nanny had showed up and I was holding my five-month-old daughter. I didn't really want to even though she's five months and probably wouldn't remember. I didn't yeah. want to be blindfolded and handcuffed in front of her. So I that shit could stick, man. Yeah. <laughs> I said, let's do that outside, shall we? <laughs> Interestingly, someone pulled up in their car. I don't know who. I was blindfolded as I was being frog-marched down the road yeah. and didn't even say anything. Yeah. Plainclothes guys doing 
Texas accents. Anyway, yeah. it was all, and then I got taken to the same house where Angela was already being yeah, and pressed I down. And I pulled and up, and a, a car car came, pulled up, and I just saw my uh, my workmate, my work colleague, being taken out of the back of a car, uh, handcuffed, blindfolded, and taken into this house. And we were taken through what potentially could have happened to us before <clears throat> the um, room. before the room begins. Mm. Um, and it, it was you know, about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then finally I went up to the room, opened the door, and we, oh, with no director, nobody in there, it was for us only, in a small room with the same um, table, chair, water cooler, we then did the play. And it was one of the most useful things mm. because it, 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 it does, it changes everything. It changes having foreclosed in walls, having gone through that, having been frisked, having been searched, having been spoken to in a tone of voice that you don't normally talk to actors in. <laughs> yeah. you know. Please. Yeah. Depends on the director. Yeah. That's true, yeah. yeah. That's true. <laughs> Not anymore. Not yeah, anymore. Right. No more. No more. Um, so, that was, so that was really helpful, actually, yeah. when we did come into the space and come into the tech that we that really simplified that. it right yeah. focused it that's and it simplified it yeah. which I think then we found certain things was good to you know because there actually is an audience out here we yeah. can't forget that yeah. but um, but it was really the connection and this yeah just the simplicity really of it mm. uh, of, of that experience being in this very contained space also the awareness that we we kind of knew that there were people and they were making mm. little sounds on the floorboards yeah. outside there's various bits of the show where I'm revealing even more sort of dynamite information that I'm worried that at any moment someone's going to come in and shut me down or worse. So that that kind of tension of those moments was really mm. heightened, actually. And it really it was really interesting, wasn't it? Mm. And, well and done, a lot yes. of fun. It was like our well own little punch yes. drunk show. Well, well done, Jess. Um, yeah, yeah, well done, Jess. Um, uh, so, you know, you, you guys, we, we all do, we all do telly and we all do radio and bits and pieces and you know but what I mean I it's it, what a, it's a silly question but you know I can hear the enthusiasm mm. in your voice when speaking about this piece and I find that every play I do makes me grow in some way mm. you know um, and I take I take I just take something with me that stays with me for the rest of my life but I mean I I do theater like you said to you know, because I do theater because I have to, mm. not because I want to. I've got to engage. I've got yeah. to do something that I get my teeth in. What What is it that brings you back to theater? That you know, because we don't need to do it. I know? do it for the money. <laughs> I do. She's the only one. She's the I only. I do it for the money. <laughs> We're talking about your contract, Angela. After yeah. Trev has yeah. gone to the other than Nathan room. Lane, she's the two yeah. of them doing it for the money. Um, definitely not the money. Uh, well, but you, I mean, interestingly, because I've always done a little bit of this, a little bit of that yeah. all my life, but you came to theatre later, but have done mm. quite a lot of it mm. lately. Mm. So. I did it, so I, when I first started acting, it was all theatre, so up until being 16, that was my, oh, right, that's okay. why I became an actor, because I was part of a children's theatre group with youth theatre, but then I got a job on the telly, and then, luckily, unluckily, I don't know what, um, but I just got trapped in the world of telly, and mm. so jo it went from job to job to job, which then meant that theatre people didn't necessarily look at me in the same way anymore. So it took me quite a lot, uh, quite a few years to break yeah. into theatre and it really wasn't for want of trying. And then it was a big 15-month time out of work, no work was coming in, and then um, one man, two governors, I, t I, I, I went into a recast of that. And then all of a sudden people went, oh, actually, That's oh, amazing. she can do theatre. Oh, hmm. okay then. So this is, yeah, so, um, <laughs> so this is my fifth, this is my fifth play. 
Amazing. Um, and in five years, I think it is. Why do they put us in a box? I, listen, it's something they do. Literally, why oh, do yeah, they put us in a box? <laughs> <laughs> well, I apparently, it is because... because I did not mean that. <laughs> that was really the helps the experience. Unintended. They do, they massively See, do uh, On Broadway, it's slightly different in New York. They, they, they kind of do their seasons around people going to pilot season yeah. and, and, and filming their telly, and then they come back and yeah. they do their theatre. Yeah. It is a coast-to-coast thing. And yeah. Here, I find it here that they... You know, when I... I I directed a play a couple years ago in town, and when I came back to it, or and when I produced the Hyde, you know, I, I produced a film, and everyone thought that was me done. Right, that's who you it know? is. Yeah, that's and who so. Is. Oh, John's producing now. He's yeah. not. It's like, well, I only produce a film. Yeah, like, you know, uh, or or I've only yeah. directed a play. I, yeah. I'm still the actor is still here. Um, yeah, oh, no, that's a, a good bit point. of a moan. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. But it's true. But they do. They like to put you is. in a box. Yeah. They, they love to put you in a box. And sometimes <clears> that box is great. And being in a telly box for a while was, you know, lovely, lucrative. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for, for, I've got to say, for me now, going back to the original question, yeah. I do it for a million reasons. But one is, I wouldn't get this job on telly. I wouldn't, if someone was going, right, okay, we're casting a black, um, American historian, educated academic, my name would not come up at all. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm Andrew Griffin, I'm down to earth, I'm northern, I've never done a telly job in another accent other than my own. They just, you know, people can't necessarily see past mm-hmm. that. Whereas in, in theatre, I think you are allowed out of your box. Yeah. Mm. Um, a little bit That's more, and so I'm playing. I'm playing a character that I wouldn't normally. Mm. Um, I do love it. I love it. I love the thrill, but but I do. I I hate it at the same time because I get really scared. Yeah. yeah. And I'm already now going. Oh God, right, I've got to run through the <laughs> yeah. lines. For and I do go. Why am I doing it? But yep. then when I'm not doing it, it's like oh, I really just <clears> want to <throat> do a play. Yeah. Just want to be in a rehearsal room. I want to talk about it. I want to get down to the layers of it. I want to do the detail as opposed to, you know, getting onto set and you've got three takes before before the end of the day. Yeah, they're going, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Lunch in ten minutes. But that's, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head and well, various nails on various heads. I don't know how to put it. Anyway, lots of clever things you just said. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's it. What always appeals <clears throat> to me, no matter what the medium is, you read the script. Yeah. You know, in yeah. this case, the play, and you go, oh. That's great. Um, I'm allowed to swear. I just yeah. did. Anyway, uh, you read it and you go, "That that that's a really that's a story I would like to tell." Yeah. Uh, that's the first and most important step. Yeah. Everything else beyond that, I mean, you, of course, you might not get the part, for example. Uh, but anyway, uh, in this case, that was easy. Uh, and then when I talked to Jazz about the design and all those kind of things, I thought, well, it's those are things that augment the experience and, and it's also unique no, none of this uh, none of the productions prior to this one have used a box mm-hmm. like this and I thought it makes it more claustrophobic it makes it more intimate it makes it more for the audience that kind of aspect of, of, of peering into this horrible little secret experience and all those things were great um, so yeah theatre I'm the same as Angela like I don't I've done lots of plays over many years and I, it doesn't Certain nights don't. The first first preview press <laughs> nights, we even had this gala night earlier this week, yeah. you know, uh, and I was specifically asked not to know who was in because if I had known Imelda Staunton was in, if yeah. I had known Mark Gatiss was in, weirdly, those particular two people, because I really admire their work, yeah. uh, I would have would have altered what I did. Mm-hmm. Or even when good friends and family come in. Like, it's just a weird thing. I can't get beyond that somehow, even as much as I try. Uh, so um, is, I'm not going to put you off. Yeah. I mean, I... I you know, 
I cannot watch it, Trev. I think it's okay. I'm I know there's people coming then. tonight. <gasps> it's, uh, by no. the way, I didn't say that you could swear because the Angela's um, her reputation precedes her. I hear she's a potty mouth. Really? No, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like how shocked you seem. My goodness me! No, no. Hey. never. I, I said to someone earlier today, and one of the weirdest aspects of this, yeah. uh, exp- the actual staging in the box and all that, not really being able to hear, but you can see the audience, but you, you know, of course, you can't because they're not really there, and all that sort of stuff. It, not being able, not to share the room with them, actually makes your ego want to know more about what they think of you yeah. outside because you don't get anything. You don't get, you don't really get the reactions. Even if it's yeah. a silence, you think, ooh, I've got them with that silence. Or even if you don't, you think you did. You don't get any of that. So it's, I'm finding it even harder to just shut that out to the best of my ability and to concentrate on each other, which is really what the show is about. But um, that, that has been one of the biggest challenges, again, technically, of this whole process uh, I'm even saying process I'm even saying the American way there you go it's, well done dude yeah th- <laughs> well done. I don't know if I'm proud of that or not process. Pro- process process so yeah it's it is about telling a good story I think and you know it's yeah. it's there's that thing of doing something that scares you every day and this is this ticks that box automatically yep. so I can be a little slack in the rest of my life uh, and not worry so much about uh, other stuff because nice. I think well I, I can, today I can do this and then I can well I'm raising a daughter that's another thing that's fairly recent and important but you know you see my point it's like yeah. this is it fills the soul I think and that's um, why I do it ultimately and Brilliant. the money and the yeah, money, and the, money and the money and the guys, money thank you so much you guys have a performance soon thank you thank I you really really appreciate it and um, good luck oh, run I think when does it finish finishes on June the 2nd June 2nd two and a half more weeks well um, depending on when this you know, uh, goes well, out well this goes out on Tuesday oh great um, so, yeah. oh cool and a uh, couple more weeks uh, to yeah. come yeah okay well I'll let you I don't do reviews we don't do reviews but I'll, no. I'll definitely um, let people Review. know what I thought <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> alright guys thank you thank so you very much thank you The formidable duo of Angela Griffin and Trevor White, currently appearing in Building the Wall at the Park Theatre here in London. Now, before we wrap up, if you are a theatre professional, you need to head on over to CurtainCallOnline.com and sign up for a free profile page. All you have to do is create an account with an email address, make up a cool password, and away you go. Just don't use the word password or four ones or one, two, three, four, anything. Just be smart about it. You can follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Curtain Call. And now we would love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast. If you want to, us to try and get to interview somebody, just let me know. Get in touch with us via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned or write to me personally at john at curtaincallonline.com. It leaves me to say a huge thank you to Angela Griffin and Trevor White along with the rest of the company. You have until the 2nd of June to catch it and catch it you should especially if you like new writing, unique theatrical experiences, and powerful stage acting. Grab a ticket by going to the Park Theatre's website at parktheatre.co.uk. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Curtain Call Theatre Podcast, and I will catch you all next week. Bye.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.